Welcome to Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff, where we interview newsmakers, storytellers, and all-around interesting people. Sit back, relax, uh, unless you're driving, and enjoy the show. Here's Jackson. Hello, hello, hello. I am Jackson Huff. This is Not in a Huff. Thanks for joining me. As always, really appreciate it. Another amazing guest for you, another Olympian. This one's a little bit different because she's just part of an amazing powerhouse team, frankly. She's on the women's U.S. water polo team that we're going to talk about the stats in this interview, but basically have just dominated for a number of Olympics, won the last three gold medals. She's been a part of the last two Olympics. She started when she was very young. Uh, she's still in college now and still has a, a lot of water polo left in her. Uh, but yeah, so they've won the last three. She's been in the last two Olympics, so that means she is a two-time Olympic gold medalist. I have, I've interviewed a lot of Olympians, telling us a lot of, of really amazing stories, but I've not interviewed a gold medalist and definitely not a two-time gold medalist. So we're going to talk a little bit about what it means to be on a, an Olympic team. Um, obviously, the U.S. team is a, a, you know, a team as a whole, but... Everyone else that I've interviewed are kind of on uh, an individual sport. I guess with bobsled, you do have one other person. But, uh, you know, with, with water polo, it's truly a, a, an entire team that's that's out on the, uh, I was going to say the field, but I guess it's in the pool. We're going to talk a lot about water polo and exactly what that is. I didn't know the rules, and I still probably don't know a ton, but uh, Maddie is going to teach us about water polo. She's going to teach us about why the women's team is just so uh, so dominant. Um, you know, one fact we're going to talk about a lot of facts, but just to kind of blow your mind like it did did me when I was researching, the women's team has lost one game in the last 13 years, and that was kind of a preliminary game that didn't necessarily matter all that much. One game in the last 13 years, and they they keep on bringing home uh, bringing home the titles. So it, it was just amazing to speak with her. She's got so much more to her. She talks about, you know, she's an athlete and a world-class athlete, an MVP of the Olympics athlete, but she's got more to her. She's a, uh, you know, she's a, a student. She's um, going to be attending med school very soon, and we're going to talk about kind of those ambitions too. It was just an amazing conversation just learning about you know her life growing up in the sport what water polo is her experience in the olympics her experience winning not one but two gold medals her future with the u.s water polo team her future in medicine just just a cool conversation i think you're really going to enjoy this one Uh, here is my interview with maddie musselman i'm here today with maddie musselman maddie how are you good how are you thanks for having me Absolutely. Thanks for, for joining me. I know we're going to talk about water polo. Obviously, that's that's why we're here. But before we get to that, just tell us a little bit about yourself outside of the sport. Yeah. So I, my name is Maddie Musman. Um, I was born and raised in Orange County, California, and grew up here, been down here my whole life. Um, but I go to UCLA currently. Um, I'm a student athlete. Uh, in my senior year, so kind of um, experiencing my last year in school uh, and outside of water polo. Uh, it's kind of hard to find time because water polo is pretty much my life, but, um, you know, do a lot of baking and cooking and uh, kind of spend time, you know, reaching out to younger generations within water polo um, 
And I'm also kind of on the path for medical school. So mm-hmm. doing a lot of medicine um, interests that I have right now um, to kind of best prepare myself. No, that that's awesome for sure. And you you say that water polo is a, a big part of your life. And, and you know, in, in the research that I've done, it has been for a long time. So tell us what uh, what got you. You started in water polo. And then I guess in the an interview that I've seen before, I think it's kind of a, a, an interesting you, you said crazy stories. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I started playing water polo when I was eight. I grew up swimming in my neighborhood. Uh, I live in a neighborhood that has um, actually a swim team, two swim teams in just one neighborhood that actually competes against each other. So when I grew up, I started swimming when I was five, um, just super competitive within that swim team, which is not very big. Um, but I thought it was like awesome that I got to be a part of it. Um, you know, trying to break records on the record board uh, in the neighborhood and kind of like going around and competing with other swim teams. Um, but I got into water polo because my older sister started playing water polo and both my parents are from the East Coast. They played, my dad played baseball, my mom played soccer. So they weren't very um, much of water, water athletes. Um, definitely did not know much about water polo when they came over to California. And so when my sister started um, learning about it. I started learning about it and my parents also started learning about it. So it's kind of like this big learning experience for all of us, which is awesome. I uh, played 10 unders at CDM. So, you know, where I went to high school was where my club team was um, and got the opportunity to play with the boys. Um, also kind of grew up playing on like co-ed teams. Um, and then kind of the girls program took off when I was in like 14 unders. And uh, I don't know if everyone knows what the Olympic development program is for water polo, but I, that's kind of where the national team pipelines out of, and I'm a pipeline athlete. So I started at the bottom with the development team when I was in seventh grade and kind of worked my way up to the senior team. Uh, And I say crazy because it happened kind of quickly for me. Um, I got the opportunity to, to train and kind of move up the pipeline really quickly. Um, so started in seventh grade, I actually didn't make any teams until like ninth grade hmm. um, and kept coming back, trying to make it. Cause I knew I wanted to be an Olympian um, at a really young age um, just cause I've always been super competitive and I didn't make it, came back, didn't make it in eighth grade. I came back and then in ninth grade, I ended up making the youth team, which we got to travel my first time ever traveling abroad Um, I got to go to Argentina and my family came, which was obviously super special. And from that tournament on, I got invited to the senior team. So I went from the youth team straight to the senior team as a freshman in high school um, at 15 and was kind of just there to be part of, you know, the development of as an athlete and got to play with um, athletes who'd been on an Olympic team, um, but also athletes that you know, we're in college um, with a lot of experience that maybe we're, you know, training for an Olympic team. So it's definitely a very competitive environment. And so I would go from high school, practice in the morning to school. And then my parents would drive me to LA to train with the national team. And I loved it. And it didn't really become kind of a reality to me that I was, you know, had the possibility of making Rio until like, probably junior year, senior year of high school. Um, and the coach Adam Krikorian was like, you know, we're just really happy that you can be here to really develop as a player. You know, I don't know if Rio is like, is going to happen for you, but, um, we want you here and, you know, we'll kind of take it step by step. And I kind of looked at it as a challenge, um, and, you know, kind of went full force. I went 
I decided to do my senior year of high school online mm-hmm. and commit fully to like an Olympic training year. And so I ended up making the, my first Olympic team at 18, uh, following that, you know, kind of big step where, you know, I kind of stepped away from being in person in high school with all my friends to, you know, training with all these big wigs, um, with a lot of experience, kind of just hoping that I, that I have a chance, um, and ended up making the team and, you know, kind of went off to UCLA right after it and did it again, redshirted my senior year of, of college to train for another Olympic team and was very fortunate to make that team as well in Tokyo this past summer. And a lot of crazy things that have happened, obviously, between then, which we can talk about, but uh, looking forward to possibly doing it again. So a lot of things um, with my Olympic journey, but the water polo has been most of my life with everything that I've done since I've been in like seventh grade. So yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. I, I like to hear kind of the, the sacrifices paying off for you for sure. Mm-hmm. I've done, I've done this long enough now that I can tell from, you know, you went from being, you know, a seven-year-old all the way up to current day. And in that short amount of time, you, uh, you, you've, you've had to say this once or twice because that it takes a little practice to be able to, I guess, kind of summarize yourself just like you did. So so that's funny. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's got to like shove it in a little bubble. Uh, I like it. But let's let's bre- let's break it down a little bit. Uh, the first thing I want to ask, I guess you talk about being so competitive, just kind of a, a funny question. You, you, you said that you did it because of of your sister. What happened with her? I, I, I assume that you uh, you kind of blew her out of the water at some point. <laughs> um, so my sister is a goalie. So we're actually so I have a younger sister and an older sister and we're all four years apart. So I never actually went to high school with my sister and I never went to college with my sister. So I never got to like fully compete against her um, or even with her because we never were in school at the same place or at the same time. So I actually, I really wish I would have like kind of seen what that would have looked like um, because especially since she is a goalie and I'm a field player, like the opportunity to kind of like shoot on her and like try to beat her. But I never really had that experience because she did national team for a little bit, um, but it just wasn't in, you know, in her plans for what she wanted to do for her future, which, you know, we all have, you know, different plans and different goals. And so she went off to college and played her four years there as a goalie and then, you know, graduated and, and that was it for her water polo career. Um, and so for me, I just, we never overlapped. Um, so the co- competition's always been there, um, but never kind of laid out in the pool where I'm kind of, sad that it never happened, but maybe a little bit of a blessing in some way. Cause she's, she's good. Yeah. Oh, there you go. I, I, yeah. I would say that I don't know how, how well it would go for, for her. I I've kind of looked into your, your stats in this last <laughs> Olympics, but we'll, uh, we'll just give her the, the credit and maybe she's, maybe she could stop you, but, uh, I, I never want to assume anything with, with my listeners. Sometimes, you know, athletes don't necessarily love this question because you're way, a way higher level than this, but just tell us exactly what water polo is. Cause there's going to be people yeah. listening that has no clue what we're even talking about. Yeah. Water polo is, we, we're not on horses. Um, a lot of people think <laughs> that, you know, it's, it's connected to that, but not that sport. Um, you know, water polo, I always explain it as a mixture of a lot of different sports kind of like visually, like when I, you know, first started playing water polo, I was like, Oh my gosh, it's exactly like soccer in the water because you know you're you're shooting on a goal um you're going up and down kind of like when you're going up and down a field you're going up and down the pool um obviously it's very similar to swimming 
you know, you have to be in really good shape to kind of have the endurance to go two to two. Um, so we, you know, we play uh, in a 25 meter pool um, with cages on both sides and you only can use one hand. Um, everything is kind of based off of that in terms of the rules. And, and there's a lot of whistles where people can get really confused, but um, similar to basketball, um, you can get fouled. Um, you know, there's penalties, you can kick, get kicked out like in hockey. Um, it's a super physical sport, um, a lot of drowning and, and kicking not punching, but just a lot of wrestling in general. So kind of have to have good hands in terms of you know, being able to kind of defend yourself um, in the pool. And there's offense and defense, you try to score the ball and you try to stop the ball from going in the cage. So um, kind of similar to a lot of sports, I always kind of bring it back to, you know, soccer, basketball and wrestling in the pool. You, you, you've mentioned before that you think it's one of the, the hardest sports. Why is that the case? Um, I hundred percent think it's one of the hardest sports one, because the game can, you know, we practice for three hours a day in the pool without touching the bottom and everyone's always kind of blown away by that. But, you know, you have to be able to egg beater and have the endurance to stay above water for a really long period of time. And it's kind of a life, a great life skill to have in general, to be really water safe. But when you're kind of combining that with like attacking another person or keeping your body above water also while trying to throw a ball with one hand. Um, there's not many other sports that kind of have that like requirement of, you know, being able to be in a body of water and stay above while also, you know, kind of having that competition and that goal of, you know, being able to go up and down, you know, kind of actually just breathing in an environment where, you know, you're, you're kind of uncomfortable. It's not easy. Um, and, know we've had a lot of athletes that come from different sports that have tried water polo and they're just they're kind of blown away by the fact of how hard it is and I think it's just a testament to what the sport what the sport is you know embodies and is composed of uh there's just a lot of hard things that are really small that some people won't even notice until they try it um I think sometimes when you watch it from the outside you be like oh I can do that and then you get in and and you can't do it so um, just kind of have to try it to really kind of experience how hard it is. Yeah, no, I can, I can only imagine. And some of the things you <laughs> just mentioned, you know, as far as the, the one hand egg beater, all these things at the very end, I'm going to kind of have like a, a rapid fast fact round that you can kind of let me know what some things mean. So if people okay. are listening and saying, Hey, what is some of that? We'll, we'll talk about that in a bit, but tell me just a little bit about, you know, you, you've already kind of alluded to it in kind of that a big summary in the beginning, but the process in water polo to, to get into the Olympics. I've talked to other Olympic athletes before, and it's not the same process at all for each sport. So tell me a little bit how it works with, with water polo. Yeah. So water polo is really, it's unique in itself because it has a different kind of time commitment for making an Olympic team. So we can train all year, you know, with our college teams, you know, you can be with your high school team, but in order to create like the team culture that's been team USA for water polo for a long time is the commitment to spend an entire year together. And so we, um, you know, whether you're in college or in high school, when, for example, when I was in high school, we have to commit the entire year leading up to the Olympic games, uh, to water polo. So if I was in college, you know, like, especially this past year, I was redshirted. So I wasn't in class. Um, I wasn't doing any school. I wasn't competing with my college team. I was fully a professional athlete with Team USA. And so that's kind of the difference across some other sports is, you know, you're 
you're not with any other people besides your team every single day for an entire year. So um, when I was in high school, I did that. Um, and every summer kind of leading up to all the summers that lead up to an Olympic year are with the national team. And then you can go back to college and then you spend the summer with the national team, but that exact year right before the Olympics. So for example, summer of 2019, we kind of red shirt. And so the, the year of 2019 to 2020 was an Olympic red shirt for me. And I spent an entire year training and then COVID hit and how to do it again. So I redshirted another time and spent the 2020, 2020, 2021 year completely away from school as well. So I've done two years in a row where I've been hundred percent committed to the national team and no outside um, interaction with anything else, maybe, maybe on the side, I did, I did some stuff with medicine, but uh, in terms of water polo, it was all, all national team. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. I saw a video uh, of you a few years back that you were a junior and then I knew you were still in school. So that was one of the questions where, what happened there, but yeah, obviously it was, it was you redshirting that, that makes some sense. Yeah. Um, the, the, the question is going to be a, a little bit more about how, you know, the, the process works to actually become an Olympian. If you're in the training program is, is that, I mean, is the team composed of everyone who's going to go? Do you, is there a tryout process that only part of the team makes it or how does that work? Yeah. So when I was first kind of like getting into the national team, I had the same questions. I was like, what is this? Like, how do I get there? What does it look like? And I think a huge part of it is that Olympic development program. That's where athletes are, you know, picked out of, um, you know, kind of evaluated through that process, but also, you know, college athletes are definitely looked into and it's not necessarily a tryout. It's more like every single day that you play water polo, it's a tryout for an Olympic team because you never know who's watching and something that's super special about, about water polo is there's always Olympians around and there's always people that are involved at the highest level that kind of talk to the coach, um, that will recommend you look at a certain athlete or, you know, maybe invite them to a training to see if, you know, they have what it takes to be at that level. And so for me, you know, I got invited at a really young age. Um, I didn't go in and try out for the senior national team. It was more like I was kind of picked from a big group of people. Um, and it's kind of different for everyone else. Um, and for anyone, uh, it can be something like my experience where you get asked to come. Um, it can also be, you know, from the junior team or from college, maybe you had a really good college season and you get invited to train. Um, but in terms of, you know, kind of making an Olympic team this past, um, quad, we had about 20 athletes training with us and we only have 13 on a roster. So, you know, we train with more than actually get to make it and go to the Olympics. And that's, you know, obviously for reasons of, you know, injury, what if someone gets hurt, you know, having someone ready, but also just the opportunity to train with a lot of people makes it easier to play games and you know, have enough people to go up and down and, and, you know, have a really good competition. And, you know, you could have probably picked anyone on that team and, you know, we would have been, um, you know, successful in some way, but at the end of the day, you know, you got to pick the best 13 athletes that can go out there and win. And so I'm really happy. I don't have to make that decision. Um, you know, obviously my coach and the coaching staff, um, make that decision, but it's, it's more of an invitation to that group. And it's a really unique opportunity because you never know when you may be asked to leave, or maybe your time is up, or maybe you make an Olympic team and you personally make the decision to leave. So it's definitely really special to get that invitation. And I always look at it as, 
if someone's trying to make it there, um, just pretend that there's always an Olympian or an Olympic coach on the pool deck. And one day you'll be in, in their shoes and get an opportunity to play um, on the senior team. So you mentioned about there's you know, a lot of Olympians around and, and kind of competing at the, the highest level. Every other time I've, I've talked to someone who, who's been to the Olympics in a sport that you know, isn't, I, I guess, as mainstream, I always ask, you know, give me some, some names of people, the, the Michael Jordans of water polo, so mm-hmm. to speak. I believe kind of looking, looking at this past Olympics and some, some articles, I think you're, you, in the last Olympics and the Olympics prior, you've kind of played with probably one of the best that's, that's played. So um, tell us just some of those names that are, are, are just uh, the high, uh, the high points of water polo. Yeah. I mean, I've had the opportunity to play with some amazing athletes. Um, one that comes to mind is obviously Maggie Steffens, who, um, you know, played in 2012, 2016 and 2020, and she was MVP in 2012 and 2016. So she's definitely one of those athletes that when I wasn't even on the national team yet, I, I looked up to for sure. Um, I think of Ashley Johnson, our goalie, who's out of this world, amazing and so many ways, not only in the pool, but out of the pool as well. And just getting an opportunity to play with her and hear her speak about the sport and, you know, her mission with water polo. It's really special. Um, I think about the athletes that came before me. Um, you know, I had a unique opportunity to play and watch, um, Courtney Matthewson and she, she was in 2012. And then I got the really awesome opportunity to play with her in 2016. Um, she was a veteran and probably wouldn't have played with her if it wasn't um, for that experience that I got. So um, I think she's the GOAT. Um, she's definitely one of the best. Um, and I, I definitely try to emulate the way that she plays the game. Um, athletes that I didn't get to play with, but I, I'll go back and watch video on if they're, you know, if they're playing, um, you know, playbacks from back in the day is, you know, Brenda Villa, um, Natalie Benson, Corley Simmons a bunch of athletes that um, are actually coaching water polo now at the college level. And, you know, really jealous that they're, that they're coaching some younger athletes that I know will be on the national team that maybe I'll get to play with one day. So that's really special. Um, And then I actually have the unique opportunity to be coached by Adam Wright at UCLA. He's um, a men's coach and also the women's coach at UCLA. And he's a three-time Olympian. And I've actually gone back and, and watched him play when he was on the national team and now he's coaching and has a different coaching style and kind of see how that's kind of formulated for me and kind of implement that into my game is it's pretty cool. Um, I would say that I don't know if any other sport has the connection to Olympians, like the way we do and the way that no college water polo is and the way that that kind of translates over. Uh, it's really special. Um, I know when I was young, like I would be so giddy and so excited when an Olympian walked on the pool deck and, I make it a goal of mine to, to go and show up at ODP as much as I can, because I know how much it would have meant to me when I was younger. And so, you know, trying to give back to the sport, you see it in those who are above us and who've done it before back in the day. And um, now it's my, my turn to kind of fill those shoes and, and do it the best that I can. So definitely yeah. a lot of names. Yeah. And that's, that's cool <clears throat> that you're, that you're taking it seriously and you're realizing, Hey, that let's look at it the way that, I would have, I would have thought when I was younger. So I, I like that a lot. What, what's the longevity normally of a water polo player? You're talking about people who played in the 2012 Olympics. So it's, it's not, it's not sh- as short as, as some that's, that's for sure. So how, I know it's a, a pretty intense, uh, 
physical sport. So how long can people normally stay at a, a high level? Yeah. I mean, we've not only in our, you know, team USA, but I think even just in other countries as well, athletes make it to, you know, 35, 31 to 35 is like probably the older end of water polo athletes. Um, Heather Petrie, she was a four-time Olympian from 2000 to 2012. And she, uh, I think she was in her thirties when she uh, decided to retire. And so she was playing, you know, kind of similar to me, you know, started at a really young age, got the opportunity to go to an Olympics, um, you know, in her teenage years. And then, you know, kind of fell in love with that process and kind of wanted to do it again and again until she got a gold medal, which um, they ended up winning the first gold in 2012. So I know a lot of those athletes st- stuck around to kind of experience that, exp- um, you know, gold medal experience. So uh, a lot of athletes um, can make it far. Um, it kind of depends on how your body is holding up, but it just kind of depends on the athlete. And um, if there's other aspirations outside of water polo or if, you want to keep going with it. So yeah. you never yeah. know. Yeah. So talk about that experience in the Olympics, like uh, just the experience of competing in the Olympics, how uh, it's different than uh, other competitions. Like for instance, I talked to a Bob Sledder. He said, you know, the Olympics was cool, but it was, he was competing against Bob sledding is so small that he was competing against the same people he competes against all the time. So it wasn't, it wasn't different with competition. Don't necessarily feel like that's the same with, with water polo, given that you're, you know, you compete versus college athletes too, but just kind of talk about your experiences in, in the sport, uh, in the Olympics, and then also the experience just being there. Yeah. I think water polo at the national team level is completely different than college water polo for a lot of reasons. I think it's a lot faster. Um, you have to make decisions at a different pace that you would when you're in college and you play different athletes. I think it's different with, you know, water polo overseas is it's actually really popular to play in like a European league and, and to get involved. Um, so not a lot of people will come from Europe to play in college, not saying that there aren't people that do that. There's definitely a good amount of foreigners that play in college, but it's kind of the other way around with water polo. Once you're done with college, a lot of us here in America will go and play overseas. So that's kind of something that's really unique. And so when you get to the Olympics, you're playing athletes that either you've seen in other tournaments, um, but you don't really see them as much in college. So you kind of have to take advantage of the opportunity to play them um, when you go and you play in those international tournaments in the summer and kind of scouting as much as you can. We do a lot of, you know, hosting of different teams so that we make sure that, you know, we're playing them. And when we get to the Olympics, we're, we're fully prepared and, you know, for me in 2016, I, I was so young. I thought everything was cool about the Olympics. I, you know, was super fascinated by every team, every player, every athlete that I walked by um, in the Olympic Village. And this was completely mesmerized by the entire experience. I, it was awesome. Whether we won a gold medal or not at the end, I probably would have still been on a high and just super excited to be there. And I think that kind of shifted for me um, in this past experience, because I think I had a little bit more adversity than I did when I was in 2016. Um, obviously the 2016 team was super special. I mean, we kind of blew everyone out of the water. Um, you know, I don't think we went one game winning by less than five goals you know, we just 
we did, a, we did an amazing job in Rio. So when I got to that next quad, it, it was a lot different. You know, we had a lot of new players, um, a lot of returners, but it was a new team. And so um, there's a lot, new, a lot of new stuff to work with. And, you know, personally, you know, I had surgery in 2018. Uh, so I had to overcome an injury, a lot of different mental um, and physical hurdles that kind of made that experience a lot different when I got to the Olympics. Um, you know, I noticed more of like the mental challenge of being at the biggest stage. I think when you're young, you're kind of a little bit, uh, you don't notice all the challenges that, you know, maybe some older, um, more experienced players think about. Um, my role was completely different. You know, I felt a lot more pressure um, for sure to play, um, you know, kind of perfectly. And it was, you know, definitely stressful in Tokyo to kind of uphold that role of, you know, playing a lot of minutes and, you know, making sure that I was doing my role to the best of my ability. I, I didn't think of that in 2016. I was just excited to play. And so um, definitely a lot more rewarding in Tokyo, you know, to be able to come out, you know, go into a tournament kind of really nervous and, and come out with a gold medal. It just makes it a lot more rewarding. And I most definitely didn't have the perfect um, tournament. Uh, obviously, I, got, I you know, had the honor of being MVP. But if you looked at me in the first half of the tournament, I, I would not have gifted myself that award. Um, and I think it's just kind of cool to kind of see the, the ability to kind of transition from, you know, maybe not a great first half of an Olympic Games to being able to kind of step out um, and just go for it and kind of rub those nerves and pressure off and be able to, you know, win a gold medal with that team and, you know, be the best player in the world. It it's definitely gives me chills and it definitely wasn't easy. So yeah. <laughs> um, those two experiences are, are completely different for me. And I'm very thankful that they're very different because now I get to talk about it, talk about them in, in very different ways. And I think that you know, just obviously as dominant as the, the women's team has been, I'm sure you have a, a target on your back in every single game. So, so that everyone obviously is playing at their, their, their best game when it comes to the Olympics, but they're definitely really, really trying to play at their best when they're, they're facing the, the U S team. So you're the first Olympian that I've had on that's actually won a gold medal. So tell me <laughs> just a little bit more about, uh, I, I guess that extra experience of not just, representing your country but also just bringing it all home yeah I mean like you kind of said our our team had a, a pretty large target on our backs and a lot of pressure um in terms of you know we won in 2012 uh we won in 2016 and you know going for a back-to-back-to-back was kind of the talk of the town in Tokyo for women's water polo and it was you know trying not to get caught up in that and to make sure, you know, we're playing the sport of water polo, anyone can win on any given day and kind of reminding that for ourselves, we lost um, actually in bracket play um, in Tokyo and, you know, we lost to Hungary and it was probably the best thing for our team, honestly, to, you know, kind of get that realization that we're not invincible, you know, any team can win. And I think it fueled us for the, for the following, you know, following games, the rest of the tournament, we, we were a different team and it was pretty cool to watch and, uh, you know, being able to win a gold medal is definitely, you know, the goal. Um, you know, you think about that when you're young and what it, what it's going to feel like when you win a gold medal and kind of visualizing that. And then it happens and it's just a whirlwind of emotion, especially for each individual person has a different journey that, you know, it took them to get there and, you know, to be on a team where you dedicate, for instance, for Tokyo, we dedicated two full years to that process. And so it definitely was, 
emotional. And it was also really hard because we didn't have family there um, in Tokyo. And so it was our circle and our circle only that really got to celebrate that moment, which in my opinion, made it even more special and kind of brought us together in a light where a lot of things were happening in our world. And uh, for us to have that space to really celebrate um, representing the country and representing all the values that we wanted to as a team, I think kind of showcased that medal um, and what that meant to us. And definitely a high and I highly recommend all the younger athletes that are thinking about it to to go for it um, because by any no means did anyone on our team not fail at some point leading up to that to that journey um, you know we all had different failures leading up to it but to be able to come out on top at the end was definitely very surreal for sure. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm I'm sure of that. So let's talk about those those fast facts. You've you've said quite a few of them, but I, you talked about you know just having to be the endurance and the stamina. The fact I read is is water polo players you know they swim over a mile and a half in a game, so that's that's some serious stamina for sure. Um, you talked about only being able to use one hand. Is that in the entire game? I was reading something like it's within certain amount of meters from the goal or how does that work? No. So we swim up and down. So like I said, the, the pool is 25 meters, but you at 30 seconds to spend your time on offense and then the shot clock is, expires. So it's kind of like basketball where you only have a certain amount of time on each side. So you're swimming back and forth. That's why the, it ends up adding up to like a mile, mile and a half because you're moving pretty quickly and, you know, you can get steals, you can steal a ball, you can, you know, have a turnover. It's kind of like soccer where like you can kind of be off sides, like little rules like that, that kind of make the game really fast where you're kind of moving a lot of distance in a short period of time. Uh, and in terms of one hand, you only person that can use two hands is the goalie. Um, so when they make a block, they have the ability to use two hands, but everyone else on the field, um, whether you're on offense or defense can only use one hand even when you're blocking the ball as a non-goalie. So like for me, for example, I can only block the ball with one hand. Um, it's called shot blocking. And uh, anytime you do have two hands on the ball, it's a turnover. So the other team will get the ball if you touch the ball with two hands. Yeah. So next next fact being that says women didn't start playing the sport until the 1950s because it was deemed too brutal. It wasn't introduced for women until uh, the year 2000. So just talk a little bit about, I guess, the, intensity the the brutalness of it i i noticed you guys wear like something of your ears are your ears in <laughs> danger of getting attacked or, or what's up with all that yeah so i mean first of all a woman can definitely play this sport and so it kind of makes me obviously we've we've seen the movement um of female athletes over the years but for women to try to play back in the day it's just a testament to the willpower that that we have in terms of especially this sport it's it's very physical. Um, you know, we have to wear ear guards because, you know, there's the ability to kind of rip your ear. Um, I've never personally experienced it, but I know that, you know, even just getting hit in the eardrum or hit in the ear, it can be really painful. You can, you know, burst your eardrum or, um, you know, injuries like that um, are never comfortable. And so that's just kind of like a safety precaution is to wear a cap like that. Um, and the sport itself is, is just very intense. I mean, I made an analogy to wrestling because you're constantly against someone. Um, you're constantly either, whether you're actually physically moving against someone, you're at least mentally kind of competing. It's kind of like a chess game. It's, you know, how can I break this team down or uh, make a move that 
you know, they're not going to expect. And I think it's pretty cool to kind of see the women's game actually transform from the first time they played in the 2000 Olympics to the way that we play the game now. It's completely different. Um, and it just keeps getting better and it keeps getting harder to play because everyone's catching on to the, you know, what one person or one player or what t- one team is doing. And then you have to come up with a new strategy and a new way to play. And so I love the game, um, obviously, um, but it takes a lot of um, adapting and fle- f- flexibility to kind of be able to know what to do against each team or each player um, and have that mental capability to be like, okay, it's this player now and people can move all over the place. And to be able to just like play your game while thinking about that, it's not easy. So are you allowed, how, I mean, how much physical contact are you allowed to make? Um, I mean, we, we talked about how it's, it looks similar to soccer when it comes to goals on each side, but obviously if you look at somebody wrong, you get in trouble in soccer. So I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how, how much you're allowed to, to touch each other. Oh, no, you're like fully on top of people. Um, you said I drowning. Think, so do, how long yeah. are you allowed to keep people underwater? Mm-hmm. Uh Honestly, it's sometimes up to it's sometimes up to the referee's discretion in terms of like, okay, that's too much. Like you're getting kicked out. Um, but anything like above the water. Um, so like if I were to accidentally hit someone in the face, it kind of sometimes look like looks like it's on purpose. So you can get kicked out for that. Um, elbows outside of the water, you're kicked out. Um, anytime you like dunk someone really hard. So if I like go and try to foul someone and it's like too aggressive, I can get kicked out for it. Um, And we have like a center position. So kind of in basketball, when someone's like sitting like right under the hoop and there's two people there, that's kind of usually where all the like wrestling and mean moves kind of happen. And so I do not play that position. So I do not like to be grabbed, but that position is kind of where all the ejections occur um, for drowning, for, you know, holding the suit, you know, the woman's suit is is very easy to grab, Um, you know, maybe pulling someone's cap off. Uh, there's a lot of different things that you can get in trouble for. And so you kind of have to be sneaky if you are trying to do something. Uh, but I'm definitely not that type of player. I kind of like to stay away. So, yeah, and that's, that's, that's what I read about, you know, a lot of crazy things happen below the water. One thing that I read, is this true that they, they check your, your nails to make sure you're not mm-hmm. going to scratch people. What are we talking? What are we talking Your fingernails? Yeah. So I mean, especially in the women's game, people like to have long nails and I've had like scars on my chest from people scratching me. Um, but sometimes it's a little inevitable because you have nails on your body and it's, you never know if you're going to accidentally scratch someone, but sometimes people have really, really long nails and it really hurts when someone grabs you. So, uh, they definitely do nail checks just in case they don't like scratch someone's eye out or um, scratch someone's face off. I don't know. <laughs> uh, that's, that's crazy. Not everyone's going to like go out there just to hurt someone. Um, that's obviously <laughs> not know. the point of point of the <laughs> game, but definitely a lot underwater in terms of like grabbing, um, the men's game grabs a lot underwater, especially because they only wear like a speedo. So that's the only thing you can really grab onto, um, for our sport, it's kind of also above water. Cause you know, we have like kind of goes over our shoulders, um, but a lot of kicking, um, or like kneeing can happen. Uh, I've actually broken my nose from a foot to the face. So definitely things that happen on accident. Um, but also some things happen on purpose, but no one goes out there to do that. Um, if you are trying to do that, then that's not the point of water polo or sportsmanship in any way. So, yeah. Um, so you mentioned egg beater. Tell us what that is. 
Yeah. So it's kind of, if people know what treading water is, um, usually lifeguards when they you know are getting qualified to be a lifeguard, you have to be able to tread water, which is you're pretty much alternating your legs in a circle. And it looks kind of like when you beat eggs in a mixer, I don't know if a lot of people are cooks, but how they kind of alternate circles. Um, that's what we're doing with our legs in the pool. And it's what's keeping us afloat. And at this point in my career, I do it without even thinking about it. And uh, it kind of comes usually probably like two years into playing water polo, you can do it without even thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, you, you talked about just how, I guess, dominant your team's been. I did kind of write down a little bit of the, the, the craziness behind it, where since, since 2000, the women have never not meddled. Um, you talked about that one loss, but that was the, the only loss that the, the teams had in 13 years and they won the last three gold medals. Talk, you can talk a little bit about that, or you can take it to the other area and rag on the men. Cause I, they're not doing quite <laughs> as well. That's all I'll say to that. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, the men's side is insanely talented, so it's hard to, um, not that the woman's side's not, but it's, there's always someone on the men's side that's new and coming up. Um, and so it's kind of been actually really fascinating to watch the men's side. Um, and they've actually done really well, um, given that maybe they are on the outside and may not look like it, but the men are actually really, really talented. Um, but on the women's side, it's been really special. I, you know, woman, uh, you know, having the first time being at the Olympics in 2000 and, and being able to medal ever since then, uh, is just a testament to, you know, the team USA culture that the women's side has had. And, uh, when you ask anyone who's been a part of it, uh, you know, there's a lot of pride that comes with representing USA and a lot of pride that comes with, you know, bringing a medal back to your country as well. And, you know, you want it to be gold. Um, like I said, there were a couple athletes that went from 2000 all the way into 2012 to make sure that they actually got that gold medal. And I think it just shows the competitive culture that is team USA. Um, and also just like the strive for excellence and the want, you know, wanting to be the best and wanting to be at the top. Um, and I'm sure there were a bunch of athletes that, you know, maybe won a bronze or a silver that, you know, were their best and were really proud of that moment. Um, and there are a lot of athletes that obviously might've wanted more than that. And I think it's, it's pretty cool to be a part of a, of a team, um, and a legacy that continuously wants to be better and to kind of hear everyone's journey and story towards that. It's, it's pretty special. Um, and all those athletes will come back and speak to, you know, the athletes that are doing it, um, and to hear, you know, why they did it, you know, why they were part of it. And, you know, from 2012, uh, you know, winning the first gold medal, I, I got to watch that at home. Um, and I didn't know anyone on the team. I had no connection really, but I knew I was like, oh, I want to, I want to be an Olympian. That would be so special. And, you know, four years later, it's like, I got to experience it. And, you know, being in 2016, where it was back to back, uh, there were only four people on our team that were in 2012. And so we had about nine people that that was the first time they've ever won a gold medal. Um, and so that's special. And, you know, I got to be part of that experience. And then in 2020, you know, we had nine people who had already won a gold medal, um, actually eight people that had already won a gold medal. And now, you know, we're trying to share that experience with five new people that have never done that before. And, you know, kind of, you know, the responsibility it is for veterans to create that culture and that, you know, strive for a gold medal and to bring those newcomers along with you and inspire them every day. It's 
definitely really special to be a part of that and um, hoping I can continue that inspiration as I continue on the national team. And um, I know all those athletes that maybe retire or, you know, are no longer on the team can come back and, you know, share their stories with all the new people that want to be a part of um, this, this legacy that team USA is and women's water polo is. Yeah. You, you, so you're saying if your training continues to go well, nothing crazy happens that you want to continue. Cause some people would be like, Hey, I want to go out on top. Who knows what's going to happen in this next Olympics, <laughs> but you, it's something that you still got, kind of have that, that fire for that, that you want to try if, if uh, everything lines up. Yeah. And I mean, I could easily say like, I'd love to do it again and win another gold medal, but I also want to do it so that the girls who are coming up behind me have that experience as well. And at the end of the day, I know that I ultimately just want to be the best athlete that I can be. And I think I've realized that probably more in the past two years than I did. If when I first joined the national team, you know, sometimes we idolize this medal as it's like the only thing that, um, you know, is going to define us as an athlete, but in all reality, like I, I know that there's more to it. And, um, I've seen my inspiration, um, as an athlete and younger kids, like coming back and just telling me that they're just so happy that I'm, you know, helping in the sport. And I think that is more powerful than winning a gold medal. And so I know that when I do come back, uh, just sharing my experience and, you know, whether we win a gold medal in in 2024 or not, like, I'm just going to be happy that I get that experience with those athletes. And, obviously I want to win and I want to be the best, but I think my, my perspective is a little changed. Um, and there is a lot more things that matter more to me now, um, than when I first joined the team. And I think that's kind of cool to be able to reflect on that and, and kind of, I'm excited to see what it looks like. Um, and what the team looks like, I, you know, we don't even know what the team is yet. So, um, definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, no, I, I think that's that's really cool that you're you're kind of in it for the experience and then helping the, that that next generation. And I I, I heard some uh, gold medalist and some I don't even remember who it was, but they were talking about, hey, should, are you going to continue on? Why not stop it on the top? And they were like, well, <laughs> at this point, it's kind of just for for fun and the experience because no matter if we win next time or not, you know, for the rest of time i'm you know will be introduced as you know olympic gold medalist it doesn't matter if i win one or or ten it's still you know we're still an olympic gold medalist so that's something cool i guess you for the rest of your life that's something that's probably going to to precede you yeah and i definitely won't say that's how i'm going to introduce myself by any means you're not going to um, just, just introduce yourself to everybody hey i'm olympic gold no. Medalist. <laughs> <laughs> no definitely not um because it's I don't know. I just don't think that defines me of like, yeah, I'm, I'm a world-class athlete. I, you know, I've had the opportunity to compete at the Olympic games, but I think as everyone has realized, if they have had that Olympic experience, is like, we're more than athletes and there's other things in our lives that, that matter and that shape us and that, you know, that we get to value and that we get to take with us, whether we play sports forever or whether we go off and we have families or we go off and get jobs Um, you know, I want to be able to, yes, say that like, yeah, I've been, you know, I've been to Olympics. I've had that experience, but it's not who I am. Um, and it's a part of me for sure. Uh, but it's, it's not who I am in that moment. When I go off to medical school, it's definitely not how I'm going to introduce myself. Um, it will be a part of me and my experience that I get to share hopefully with patients and, you know, how I treat people, but it's not, 
going to be the top of my priority. Um, I definitely am going to make them my priori- priority. And if they want to hear about it, I'll be more than happy to share. But um, I think it's cool to he- hear athletes talk about it being being just a part of them, not who they are. No, I, I hear you there. And, and kind of in wrapping up, let's talk about that other part of you and, and what your future holds. You already mentioned that you want to you go to med school. Apparently, you're not going to wear your medals every day in front of <laughs> patients. Uh, that's disappointing to hear. Not, not really, but, but uh, tell us, just tell us a little bit about that, that passion as, as we kind of wrap things up. I don't know whether there's a certain area that you, that you are, are most interested in, but what do you hope the future holds? I know in, after the year we've just had, we can't really say what the future is definitely going to hold, but what do you hope? It's yeah. I, I mean, I've always loved medicine. Um, I think especially being in sport, actually, I, experienced injury. I've, you know, seen the body do really amazing things. And I've just been fascinated by it since like I was a very young age. Um, I've had, you know, some family incidences where I've, you know, been exposed to medicine and I just, I've loved it. I I don't know why I'm just super comfortable in that space. And I also really love kids. Um, And I grew up babysitting in my neighborhood. You know, my neighborhood is full of children and I just like was always wanting to help um, and be involved in, you know, babysitting or in other people's families and uh, just, just kind of have a heart for them. Um, And I know that whether that's in pediatrics or I honestly, I think labor and delivery is, is really a special moment for a lot of families. And I would love to be a part of that process for sure. And I don't know, I feel like people go into medicine and they say like they're set on one thing and their medical school experience changes that completely. Um, you know, I, I love the brain. Um, I love the heart. I, there's so many things I can see myself diving into, but I definitely think it will be centered around children or kids and their health, um, because they have a lot of life to live. And I hope that I can help them live healthy lives in whatever way that is. And, um, whether I think my experience with national team really kind of bleeds over into that and, you know, for me, I, you know, started playing water polo at a young age. Um, I was an athlete kind of forced to mature at, at a really young age and kind of like be a professional athlete. And by mo- no means was I perfect. I failed so many times. And I think I have a lot of stories where failure actually was a lot in my brain about, you know, is this what I actually want to do? And uh, I think the way that I had to like work through that adversity is the way that I know I'm going to have to do that in medical school. And kind of overcoming barriers that obviously are very different than sport, but um, I think they kind of helped me in terms of my mindset going into it. And I think it's, I hope more athletes come into medicine. I I've heard that a lot by actually doctors that I've talked to is, you know, wanting athletes, wanting people that, you know, know how to work in a team. And uh, I hope that medicine can look more towards, you know, working together and, a common goal rather than wanting to be the best doctor, um, you know, and kind of pushing people to the side. I hope I can kind of unite more uh, people together in medicine and uh, that it's not about being the best um, in terms of individually, but the best as like a group. And so I'm kind of excited to bring that piece into it as well. Um, so many things I could talk forever about it and what I'm excited about, but uh, I definitely am interested in working with kids in some way. So, no, I, um, I like, I like that a lot. And I've heard that too, that, 
just the athletes are would, would be do really well. Obviously, they've got to they've got to be you know smart in the STEM areas, but they do really yeah. well in uh, in medicine just because they that team approach is desperately needed and the mentality behind because a lot of sports are you know it's a mental game just as much as it is a physical game. So just the the mentality that athletes have is is really beneficial for for those things. Now I'll tell you when I wrote this question. I didn't think that was going to be your answer at all. I'll let people, I'll let people look at, uh, you know, kind of your, your family, but you've got quite a bit of, of, you know, sports and coaching in your family. So I thought, you know, I thought that'd be something that you would be interested in. Is there any interest in, in coaching? You talk about some of those, uh, you know, those other Olympic athletes that have done that, not as a, maybe a full-time thing, but, but you do talk about, you know, kids in medicine and then also, the, the next generation on the, the national team. So I, I kind of hear that, that spirit there behind uh, coaching. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've definitely done some coaching and I've actually really liked it. Um, I've given back to like ODP, that program that I was a part of and given my time. And it's always fun. Like I do lessons, I'll do private lessons as well, just to kind of, you know, help a kid and, and kind of spark a love for water polo. It's just always so exciting to see it through their eyes. And um, I'm definitely interested in it. It's not like as a huge of a passion that I have, like when I think about medicine, but I definitely see myself giving back whenever I can and I'll do camps. I'll do clinics when the time comes and, uh, it's not water polo is not going to be gone when I, when I'm done playing. Uh, I know that I'll be involved in as many ways that I can. Uh, I know I'll probably be super busy and probably trying to juggle like a hundred things at once. Cause that's what I do. But uh, I think water polo will always be kind of the topic of conversation and, uh, you know, it's a huge part of, you know, who I am in terms of the values that I've learned. And I know that when someone probably introduces themselves to me in, you know, doctor's office or ask me about myself, it's probably going to go back to water polo and, um, why I am in medicine. And so I know that it's not going to be gone, whether I'm a coach or not, but, I definitely do enjoy coaching. Um, I also think that medicine is a, a little bit of coaching. Um, you know, the way that you speak to people, um, whether that's colleagues or patients, um, and just being like a good person while you talk to them. And I think a huge part of that is coaching. Um, whether you look at that, at you know, look at, at it like that or not. Um, you know, every time you speak, you're kind of teaching someone something about you. Um, so I definitely see that in my future for sure. I like that. I like that. And I could see you just, I, I, I look forward to, I guess, patience that you have in the future. Cause I could see you kind of, I don't see you, you do already say you're not going to introduce yourself, you know, as an uh, Olympian, <laughs> but just blowing people's mind, but I've taken up a, a lot of your time already. Uh, if you would just tell people how they can, uh, I guess, connect with you, whatever connection points that you have, if people want to uh, follow along uh, on your, your journey or, or, or what have you? Yeah, I've been actually way more active on social media. I have a Twitter account and a Instagram account. It's just Maddie Musselman, um, just my full name. And I try to share as much water polo, but also like just a part of my life. Cause like I said, we are a lot more than just athletes. And I think people are always super interested in what we're doing outside of the water and how we're connecting with family and, and teammates and friends. And uh, I'm also super into like mental health and uh, it's a, new, a space that's really new to me, um, but it's something that I'm definitely passionate about. And 
I think it will also be really interesting if people are, you know, wanting to follow me as I go from, you know, water polo in the next three years to, you know, to medicine and kind of that transition. So I definitely will be sharing about it and uh, I've thought about ways to do it. Um, I have some time to think about it, but I think it will be cool to have new followers and people kind of interested in that journey. Absolutely. I look forward to to seeing where that journey takes you and following (laughs) along. So thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. So that was Maddie Musselman. Just a cool conversation, just an inspiring person doing just amazing, amazing things just outside of Olympics and the things that she's, you know, aspiring to do was I, I, I know that she's she's bound for, for really great things and I really appreciate her time. I, I can't wait to see her in the pool dominating for, for years to come in water polo and then, uh, you know, her dominating the, the world of medicine too, so Really appreciate her time. Go check her out. She mentioned her uh, social media, Maddie Musselman on Instagram. Probably the best way to reach her or to follow along on her her journey. She mentioned that it's going to be about water polo, but also about you know her journey in in life too. So urge you to uh, to follow her there. Hope you learned a lot. You know about water polo as a sport, about the the U.S. team and and how awesome they are. Um, about the Olympics, about what it's like to win gold medals, what's like to win two gold medals and have kind of that, you know, that pressure and that burden because they are so good. It was just a a fascinating conversation. I learned so much. Hope you did too. Go check her out. Obviously, as always, check us out outside of this podcast. Follow us on Instagram, not enough podcast, jacksonf.com on Apple. Give us a five-star Um, rating, leave us a review. Always appreciate that. If you listen on Spotify, give us that five stars. Um, Always appreciate that. When you you listen and then you also uh, rate or review, that's just uh, icing on the cake. But regardless, so happy you're here. Hope you come back next week. Take us out, Chris. This has been Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff. Thank you for listening. Be sure to join us next time where we will interview another amazing guest who is sure to make you laugh or make you think, or hey, maybe even both. But until then, keep being awesome.